You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. This Dallas team is not in that conversation with the elite of the elite of the NFC. Like, to me, it's San Francisco, it's Philly, and there's a gap between those two and then Detroit. And yeah. maybe even, I don't want to go cart before it hurts, maybe even you throw a Seattle team in there and then it's Dallas. Dallas has a lot to prove here. It's time for our weekly visit with the Hall of Famer John McClain from Sports Radio 610. Right now on Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. That was ESPN's Courtney Cronin right there talking about the Cowboys and where they rank after that whooping they took to the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday Night Football. Matter of fact, that was uh, her. She was part of Game Night last night, which is actually the show that I do. But I was at Monday Night Football at the Allegiant Stadium, so I obviously was not on that show last night. But uh, really good stuff from Courtney. Join us now on the phone lines with Sports Radio 610 in H-Town is our good friend John McClain, the Hall of Famer. John, you heard what Courtney had to say about the Cowboys what happened to them on Sunday Night Football, and are they that far away uh, from being an upper echelon team in the league? Q, I don't give a damn about the Cowboys. <laughs> the Astros just struck out two with the bases loaded after three walks, and they're leading 5-0 in Minnesota in the third game of the American League Division Series. And as someone who hates the Cowboys and loves to see them lose and loves to see their fans suffer, I thought it was outstanding <laughs> to see them just get their butts whipped so bad in every possible way. Now all my Cowboy friends are like my University of Texas friends who lost to Oklahoma. Well, we'll get them in the next game. And I'm thinking, okay, the Longhorns fans, okay, already thinking they're going to play Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. And the Cowboy fans already thinking – they're going to play the 49ers in the playoffs, maybe the NFC Championship game, and they're dreaming. <laughs> John McClain, Sports this Radio 610. a good Cowboys team. They've beaten three dogs. They've got beat by a dog, and then they got just obliterated by the best team in the NFL. Sunday night, millions, the biggest audience, ain't it grand? <laughs> it is. We can hear the joy in your voice right there talking about the misery of the Cowboys and the Cowboy fans. You mentioned the best team, though, in football in San Francisco. How good is this team, John? I mean, this this team looks fantastic. They might have won the Super Bowl last year if Garoppolo hadn't been hurt, if Brock Purdy hadn't been hurt, and they had to sign Josh Johnson off the street, so they got crushed in the championship game by the uh, Eagles. And if Purdy or Garoppolo had been healthy, they might have gone to the Super Bowl. They might have won it. Mm -hmm. But they seem to be a team on a mission. They lost defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. They lost their offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, who came to Houston with Ryans. And they may be even better this year because Purdy is playing great. I don't want to hear any more. Oh, he's he's playing well for Mr. Irrelevant. No, he's playing better than all the first picks in a draft that kid has got to be the leading contender to be voted MVP that's wild to think right but he is you're absolutely right he's playing some really good ball and this goes back to Iowa State he played really well at Iowa State but he got with Kyle Shanahan and he's really taking his game to another level so yeah they look like one of those teams that's pretty pretty unstoppable right now I know it's early on uh this seems like John there's a lot of injuries let me hang on let me point out something the unsung hero 
with the 49ers who was brought in there last year. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Shanahan calls the plays. And last year, Bobby Slowick was his right-hand man. He hired Brian Greasy out of the ESPN booth to come in there and coach the quarterbacks. And Shanahan gets all the credit on how well Brock Purdy has played. Behind the scenes, they say Greasy spends more time with Purdy than any coach, and he is doing a fantastic job. And so Brian Greasy should get a lot of that credit because Purdy is, if you think about it, and I know he's got a ways to go, Q, but the last time we saw a quarterback drafted low like that who turned out to be great was Tom Brady at number uh, six round. And, of course, Purdy was seventh round. So they're going to be fun to watch. Now, you mentioned, you asked about injuries. Yeah. I'm thinking if you're tracking injuries, there are not going to be any more injuries this year than last year, maybe to certain more prominent players. Yeah. And um, you can make eight moves off injured reserve. A lot of teams save them, but there's a lot of guys on it. And uh, the key is your quarterback. Can you keep your quarterback healthy? And if you do, you can fill in people around them. We're talking about the 49ers. They have playmakers every position, tight end, wide receiver, running back, and they're so balanced, they're hard to defense. Other teams don't have that balance. They may have a great wide receiver. They may have a great tight end to go with a wide receiver. Maybe they even got a really good running back. But, man, oh, man, nobody's got them like the Niners. At some point – they're going to lose one or two of those guys to injuries. It's just a matter of whether they're three games, four games, or what. But uh, injuries always tell the tale. It happened last year with the Niners, and the Eagles were relatively healthy last season, and they kept their quarterbacks, they kept their running backs, their linemen. And so that's the way it's going to be this year, too. When you get down to the nitty-gritty of December and early January, the teams that are the healthiest are usually the ones that are going to have the best record. John McClain, Sports Radio 610, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. What did you think about the NFL having the Jaguars playing in London two weeks in a row? Roger Goodell said they're going to play more games over there. You know, they want to target other countries. The Jaguars, when it's one week, it's the same for them as the opponent, other than they're used to going. You know, it's a shorter trip. Like if you were Buffalo, people are like, poor old Bills had to play in London. That's a shorter trip than the poor old Bills having to go to Seattle. Mm. So that wasn't it. But when Jacksonville has the benefit of back-to-back games there and knows everything about, you know, everything's perfect the second week. There's no adjustment. Bills were coming off that incredible emotional victory over Miami in which they just crushed them. And then they didn't play well at all against Jacksonville. I'm amazed. I watched the Texans just beat the tar out of the Jaguars in Jacksonville. And then Jacksonville has done the same to Atlanta and then had an impressive victory over uh, Buffalo. And I watched the Texans just beat the Steelers by 24. Then they come back and beat the Ravens. So you can't ever tell. If, if you think about this, Q, we thought the AFC North was going to be the best division, yep. top to bottom. Yep. And a close second 
was going to be the AFC East. The AFC North at this point is a huge disappointment. AFC East without Rodgers and with Bill Belichick having probably the worst team he's had ever, probably worse than his first one that went 5-11 and 11 before they played Brady and started winning Super Bowls. And even the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs have not dominated. Mm-mm. And I'm assuming my top three teams right now are San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Kansas City with Detroit at 4-1. and one. It's hard for us to buy in and believe on a team that had won its division for the since 91. But right now they look like they're going to run away with the division the way the uh, – the way the Packers did for years. Yeah, it feels like that. I kept telling everybody that I'd be late to the, the Lions uh, party, and now after uh, a few weeks I'm ready to go and get dressed and, and head to that party. <laughs> they look great like story. It's a great story. <laughs> yes. Dan Campbell's a great story. You know, who doesn't like the Lions? Other than teams in the NFC North right. and their fans, I would love to see the Lions go to a Super Bowl. I think it'd be an incredible story. They're fun to watch. That Aaron Glenn, their defensive coordinator, yeah. who finished his career here, he lives here in the off season. Aaron Glenn's going to be a head coach, and they're going to lose their offensive coordinator. Uh, I forgot his name, Ben Johnson. Yep. Yeah, uh, he interviewed with the Texans, said he needed some more experience. But that is a fun team that can run it, throw it, will knock your jock off. And I think who doesn't like Dan Campbell? Yeah, no, they're 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 the real deal. Uh, again, I was late to the party, but they're definitely the real deal. You mentioned Bill Belichick and him having a really bad team. They just got the break speed off him by the Saints, thirty-four nothing. Is this Bill Belichick's last year in New England? Can you imagine how bad it would be if they hadn't brought in Bill O'Brien to uh, <laughs> resurrect Mac Jones? How bad Jones would be if he didn't have O'Brien? There's people that thought Belichick was on the hot seat after last season. And they want him to break Don Shula's record, but he's not going to coach till he's 90. And at the rate they're going, he'd have to coach till he's 90 to break Shula's all-time record. You know, they have been humiliated these last two games. You don't see a quarterback benched in back-to-back games. Problem is the backup's Bailey Zappi. There's a lot of teams, Q, that need quarterbacks. It's a great quarterback draft. It's a deep and talented quarterback draft. The two, the two sure things are Caleb Williams and Drake May. Yeah. A lot of teams could use them. The Patriots and the Vikings, what Carolina needs to do is go ahead and be the worst team in the league. You trade your number one Chicago, get the first pick, and teams are going to line up to try to make a trade or get the second pick, and then Williams is gone. There's one other surefire guy, and watch the team's the offers just increase, and it would help the Panthers restock their cupboards that were empty because of what they did uh, with the uh, trade to move up to get uh, Bryce Young. Right, right. Yeah, and Bryce is you know struggling out the gates, but he's a rookie quarterback, so what do you expect? C.J. Stroud, as you very well know, has been the guy so far. And uh, even Anthony Richardson, he's banged up. You know, he – John, he looks like he can't stay healthy. This, this, to me, is the makings of something all bad there in Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson. The problem with Richardson, every time he's been hurt, he's been out of the pocket and running. Yeah. Now he's got the shoulder injury. I think it would be good for him to watch 
and learn how Gardner Minshew can run. I've seen him do it in Jacksonville, but he's very smart. He's looking to pass first. He's not taking off at the first sign of trouble. That's what rookie quarterbacks do. But Richardson has everything you want to be great, but he's got to stay on the field. I remember Phil Sims with the Giants when he came out of Moorhead State, and people were shocked that they drafted him. And he was hurt a lot early. Then all of a sudden, he learned about the things that he was doing that could be avoided, and he could still be a really good quarterback. And Richardson's too talented to to not be able to do that. But the problem is he's such a great runner. Right. And, but he's got to be like Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson. He's got to figure out how to do it without getting hurt. And right now I know Bryce Young threw three touchdown passes in their loss Sunday Detroit, but also had two interceptions and I think a lost fumble. I kind of wish Stroud would go ahead and throw his first interception so I didn't have to keep writing all the time. <laughs> He's got another another game without an interception, increased his record to start a career with, you know, 5,000 passes without an interception. <laughs> we thought Jesse Bates, the safety for the Falcons, had one, but he dropped it. It's the first time Stroud's thrown one that a DB has dropped, and he's had set a high standard for Bryce Young and being drafted one spot behind him. There's going to be natural comparisons for a long time. Yeah, there will. I mean, we remember all the other comparisons, Andrew Luck and RG3 and Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. And, yeah, it's going to go on and on and on with those two guys at the top of the draft. Well, we'll close out with this, John. What about Sean Payton and Russell Wilson? It feels like this marriage is going to come to an end at the end of the season. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the way Payton was chewing him out for a turnover at the end. You know, Sean Payton has got so much egg on his face you can't even see his hair, and he deserves it, and I love it because what he did to Nathaniel Hackett, while it was true, doesn't deserve to be said, and all the problems that Hackett had, he's got. And to lose to Hackett and Jess at home is what they say about karma, and, man, nobody knows it better than him. And I think it was great because Hackett has refrained from lashing out and they made Robert Sala made him the captain mm. on Friday, and then after the and on the sideline cue, I have never seen an assistant coach get hugged by so many members of the organization in the last minute when the game was decided. And then Sala gave him the only game ball after that game, and it was a huge celebration. And I bet you they're getting pretty tired already of Peyton's heavy-handed ways. And they worked when he had a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he's got a Hall of Fame quarterback now. But I think uh, Seattle knew what it was doing when it traded Russell Wilson, that his career was going downhill, not up, was going uphill and then off the other side. <laughs> and it looks like that marriage won't last beyond this season, as you said. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It feels like a divorce is uh, the inevitable there in Denver with Sean Payton and one Russell Wilson. Well, John, great stuff as always. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? I've got a column on the Astros on SportsRadio610.com where there's no paywall. I've got my podcast, and I'll have a Texans and C.J. Stroud story tomorrow. I usually do one or two a week because right now he is hot, hot, hot in Houston. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Can we get a Rangers and Astros series? Is that is that what's coming up next? Can we can we talk that up, please? <laughs> well, I feel much better about the Rangers' chances. 
Cue, it's amazing. They're home today for the first time since September 26 when they went to the Angels, then the Mariners, then to Tampa for the first round, and then to Baltimore for the second round, and they have been fantastic. Yeah, they have. I love postseason baseball. It's great. So go Astros, go Rangers. I want to see them square up in the next round. It'll be fantastic. John, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you as always, brother. Q, always my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. There he goes. The Hall of Famer, John McClain, Sports Radio 610 with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And, yeah, man, postseason baseball is like no other. As a matter of fact, I got caught slipping, man. I'm in Studio Q right now. I got a TV right in front of me, and I'm watching SportsCenter. What is wrong with your boy? What is wrong with me when there's postseason baseball on right now? I am tripping. Could definitely have that on, so I'll have to make sure I make that happen. As a matter of fact, I'll make that happen in just a few minutes because right now I want to go back inside the Raiders locker room real quick. Had a chance to catch up to many different players. How about the guy that I caught up to on Saturday and Trayvon Merrick? Got a chance to catch up with him following the game as well. Here's that conversation. Back in the Raiders locker room with Trayvon Merrick. And, Trey, we just were talking on Saturday about going and getting the ball, and your defense got three interceptions today. How big was that for you guys? Uh, it was big, man. You know, to, to win the turnover battle, that's huge for us. You know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of teams that win a turnover battle end up winning the game. So to come away with three is a big, big momentum shift. We were talking to Robert, and he said that in that last huddle, he went out there and said, we got to get it done on defense. What did that mean to you guys to know it was on you and you had to seal the deal? Yeah, no matter like you know what's going on in the game, every time we stepped on the field, that's a defense that we're going to put it on our back. You know what I'm saying? No matter what happened, um, just line up, reset, and uh, attack the ball. Feel like everything's starting to come together. It's been now two two games in a row where the defense has really stepped up. You feel like everything you guys did in training camp starting to come together? I, I think we're you know becoming more gelled together, like you're saying. Um, but it, it got to keep going. Uh, we got to come in every day, every practice, and keep it pushing. You know, one game doesn't determine anything. So we got to keep coming in practice with the same mindset. And if we do that, then we'll keep winning some games. Was it kind of a sigh of relief, though, to just be able to get it done and get that win the way you guys did it in, in, in the home field? Oh, for sure, especially on Monday night, you know, mm-hmm. prime time. So that's that's one of them, them plays that, you know, you, you write in the history books, you know, on Monday night. So, um, yeah, it felt good to get the W, um, seal it away with the takeaway. Um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to next week. It's always fun to watch Sports Center after a win, right? Oh, yeah, facts, <laughs> facts. Everything's better after a win, man. So Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Thanks, Appreciate man. Appreciate you. Sir. Yes, sir. There goes Trayvon Merrick in the Raiders locker room following the game. And that's the one thing I think Raider Nation would agree with me 100%. It's so much easier to turn on ESPN, turn on SportsCenter, turn on Sports Radio after a win. Because, man, you turn on SportsCenter after a loss and they show they highlight every damn loss, right? I mean, they, they highlight every bad part of that game. It's like, man, this is a rough one. I remember there was times where I was like, I ain't even turning this thing on tonight. Uh, where's the Cleveland show at, man? Let me go on and watch a cartoon or something, right? There's, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's some tough times when you're coming off a loss. It's much better. Even if it's a, not a, a, a pretty-looking win, it's just a win. And a win is always good, never going to complain at winning at all. So many thanks to John McClain from Sports Radio 610. Also, many thanks to Trayvon Merrick for giving us a few minutes inside the Raiders locker room. Of course, we've got more of that on the way. We also want to hear from you at 702-365-9200, the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword r Threw the question out there earlier today. Matter of fact, threw a couple of them. You had a game ball in your hand. Who are you giving it to? One game ball. That's all you got. You are given one game ball, and you get to hand it out. Who are you giving it to? And also, the defense is playing really well, especially the last game and a half. Is this sustainable, in your opinion, and why? I uh, got a couple texts here that I'd like to get to real quick. Amik is a beast. That final play scared me because, as we're all too familiar, I'm screaming at the ref, don't you touch that flag. I know he thought about it. And, yeah, that's the one thing. 
I'm glad you brought that up. The Packers, as we talked about a lot on this show, right, brought it up a lot that they like to go deep. They tested it quite a bit on Monday. And it's outside of that one busted play, they didn't have any big plays. But every time they went down the field, I kind of held my breath and said, uh-oh, is it going to be a pass interference or are they going to connect on it? And Amik had good coverage. Uh, you know, Peters had decent coverage. Again, they had the one-blown coverage. But, you know, the safeties were in the spot that they were supposed to be at. Trayvon America, we just heard from, was in the spot that they were supposed to be at. They didn't really have – and they didn't allow them to get any big plays like that, like they've been accustomed to doing. So uh, they took some shots, and the Raiders were able to play really good defense. Uh, you know, Meek Robertson was running with Christian Watson. And the thing that I, I actually noticed earlier today as I was preparing for the show, and I was sitting here in Studio Q, as I mentioned just a little while ago, watching Sports Center. I was watching Andrew Hawkins, who played wide receiver in the NFL for a, quite a while, and he was talking with Dan Orlowski, and they were talking about Christian Watson. And if you get a chance, go back and watch it because it's not something I noticed until Andrew Hawkins, former NFL wide receiver, pointed out. Christian Watson, on all the deep shots that they took to him last night, got to a certain point, and then he turned and looked for the ball, and he slowed down. Instead of continuing to run full speed and then keep taking off, he would slow down as he turned and looked. So his route running and his, his big playability, it's not quite in sync right now, right? It's not really where it needs to be. Like he's supposed to be running full speed, turn and be able to look and, and locate the ball and still keep running full speed. Instead, he would throttle down just a little bit. And it's hardly noticeable until someone points it out. And then you go back and look at it. And, I mean, he ran up on Marcus Peters on one play and it was about 10 yards into the route. And, of course, Marcus Peters, you know he's already playing off. Right when you got to about the same spot as Marcus, he slowed down just a little bit. And that little hesitation allows guys to make plays. And so that's the difference in what could be a completion and what ends up being an incompletion or a, a tip ball or an interception like you saw on that last play. And even that last play that Amik went up and made, the, what Andrew Hawkins had pointed out was the fact that when he put his hand up, and again, go back and look at the replay because I didn't really realize it until he pointed it out and then got to see it in real speed. When he puts his hand up like I'm open, like Randy Moss used to do and, you know, you know Devontae does all the time, uh, he, he put his hand up and looked back. You can see him throttle down just a little bit, and then when Amik jumps and makes the play, you know, he turns and locates the ball and goes up to make the play. You don't even see Christian Watson try to go and break the ball up. You know, his, his hands are still low, and he's just not in a good position, and it's all because of the, his, like, speed of his body and the way that he was running, and he wasn't in position anymore to even try to make a play. And so all credit to Amik for making that play, but there's little nuances. And, and again, the NFL is such a fine league where it's like – a, a little fine line could define if you're going to get a big play, if you're going to get an incompletion, or it's going to turn out into a turnover. And so uh, once that was pointed out, again, that's not something that all of a sudden I just saw sitting in the press box and was like, hey, this is what I discovered. No, I mean, that's, again, sometimes someone just has to point something out for you to actually notice it. But that was something that I found to be pretty interesting from last night's game and what Christian Watson was doing to not, not help the Packers try to hit that big play. Uh, got a text from the 661. What up, Q? Game ball goes to Max Crosby. We don't get the dub without him. Man, that dude, that dude, I mean, you want to talk about full throttle. That guy is always full throttle. He told us last night in the locker room, he even got into it on the sideline with Marcus Peters, and he said, but he was right. Like, Marcus was right, but we got into it a little bit, and he threw his helmet down, and myself and Lindsey were sitting next to each other in the press box, and, and we noticed Max really getting heated on the sideline after uh, that uh, A.J. Dillon 
uh, touchdown run that he had. He was he was really mad, and you saw him on the sideline or not on the sideline on the field. You saw him kind of throw his hands up, like, "What the hell are we doing?" But then he came back the very next time that they were out there defensively, and you just saw him going even even faster and even harder and even stronger and throwing guys down. And he just has that determination that you know is unmatched, man. I mean, it, you it's easy to say, "Oh, you need more of those guys on your team." They're not really built like that, man. They're not just they're not growing those kind of guys on trees. Right, you don't just go and find one of those guys. They're just—he's just built differently. He's that guy that's got that motor that never stops. He always wants better. He always wants more. He always wants to be the guy and and make the play and and you know support his team around him, obviously. But you know they go as he goes. So to give Max Crosby a game ball, there's definitely no problem with that. I think he can get a game ball probably every game. Right, just with all the effort that that he brings and and all the energy that he brings to the table, and you know he's he's on pace. Right now, to I mean, hell, have 17 sacks in the season. He's got five sacks already. He's basically leading the league in pressures. I mean, the dude has been all over the all over the field doing what he's got to do. So he he's been fantastic. Got to give him a lot of credit for the effort that he puts out each and every week. And remember, he came into the game just like he went into last week's game, uh, dealing with a knee injury. So uh, he's limited during practice, but he is full throttle once it becomes game time. Uh, also, got another text from the 925. Better bring up Tyler Hall before he gets poached off the practice squad. And, yeah, Tyler Hall had to step into action. Troy Pride Jr. had to step into action because Nate Hobbs was out. Ja'Korian Bennett was out. And, you know, I think that Ja'Korian's going to be good, but he's got to be healthy. He's got to be healthy. And so th- th- he wasn't out there. Amik stepped up. Tyler stepped up. Troy Pride stu- stood up. I mean, guys that were called upon, man, when, when their their number was called, they were ready to go out there and play and participate and do what they've got to do. And that's – that's a positive step. So when you bring up Tyler Hall, it's the guy that we talked about quite a bit in the offseason. He is a guy that needs to, needs to definitely uh, you know, be considered for that 53-man roster because teams that need corners are going to try to poach him. Just like you said, there's a lot of injuries around the league, and you know, it's probably not any more than there are each and every year. But if they see something like what you know, Tyler Hall was able to do on film and start to see you know, some positive play and go back and look at you know, what he's been able to do in the past – they, they very easily could poach him, like you mentioned. One more quick text, and we'll take a break. Get to Lincoln Kennedy. This is from the 707. I'm happier with Graham now. He'd be a better head coach than McDaniels, who shows little passion, zero aggressiveness, and clearly no clock management. Even that pen- – well, I'm not going to say that. Oh, okay. Even that pencil neck geek that coaches the Chargers shows more fire and in control than who we got. Makes game time harder on the players. I thought someone was going going after the coaching staff. I was like, damn, man, you're going to set me up for failure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, big on calling everyone's names and everything. But Brandon Staley's not a very good head coach. And there are some questionable decisions that, you know, Coach McDaniels has made. I thought that the fourth and two decision not to go for it at the end of the game and kick a field goal. I know you got Daniel Carlson, but you get that first down and you salt away the game. I thought that that was, you know, a tough decision. But maybe because the offensive line was struggling is why he didn't go for it. And then, of course, you know, not – not uh, calling the timeout before the, the, the half and letting all that time off the clock. I thought that that was a, a bad decision as well. But, again, I'm not the coach. It's easy to second guess on Monday or Tuesday afternoon or whatever the case may be. It's easy to be that Monday morning quarterback, so that's not who I want to be. But we will ask Lincoln about it. Lincoln Kennedy joins us next. It's 327. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people so you can sit back and enjoy the game. 
Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops. Order ahead at portasubs.com. Rob is under center. He's got Patrick Taylor behind him. Play action again. Eyes downfield. Over the middle. Batted up in the air. Pickles Mulane. His second interception of the night. And he's tackled at the 42-yard line. Amik Robertson got his hand on the football to bat it up in the air. And Roberts Mulane was in the right place at the right time. Raiders color analyst Lincoln Kennedy is live on Unnecessary Roughness. Right now on Raider Nation Radio. Jason Horowitz on the call right there. That was Robert Spillane's second interception of the day. A nice little uh, tip ball and came down with it. And that's something that the Raiders don't do a whole lot of, but they were able to come up with three interceptions on Monday. And, of course, no bigger one than Amik Robertson's in the end zone to seal the deal on the game. But Lincoln Kennedy joins us now on the phone lines. And, Lincoln, thanks so much. It's always great to catch up with you. How nice was it to see the Raiders win a game by the strength of their defense? Well, it's nice to see the Raiders win. It doesn't matter how they do it. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't care if you beat them by one or 51. It, a win is a win. So, you know, it, it was it was a good night for the Raiders, and I was glad they were able to pull it out. Look, there was about a minute and a half left in that game where I was starting to panic. I'm like, oh, gosh, not like last year. or not. Let's not have, have this happen again right. uh, where they fell apart again. But the defense did do their job, and they did a very good job. And, you know, for what it's worth so far, Q, first of all, it's good to be with you, but for what it's worth, you know, when you look at the season so far, the defense, aside from, you know, the Buffalo game, you said say the score got a little out of hand, the defense has done its job at, at keeping the Raiders in position to, to win these football games. Yeah, I was saying the same thing earlier in the show, and I even wanted to give Patrick Graham some credit. Do you think him moving to the booth may have helped a little bit, or is it just the players? Well, it's hard to say, but I think it's more than, you know, it's more of the players. The coaches coach, players play. I'm not sure what Patrick Graham sees differently from being up up top as opposed to being on the field. I mean, I've never been a coordinator, even though I spend a lot of time at a Holiday and Express. I can't say <laughs> I'm an expert at it. Um, but you know, it, 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 I don't know, don't know if it, if it's more of him being upstairs and seeing more of the field, or being around, you know, Coach Ryan and those other guys up there just to have their input right away than it would be down the sideline. But hey, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. If it's working, it's working. Right, it is. And, and a total side note, Lincoln, now that you mentioned the coordinator, you wouldn't believe how many people tell me all the time, tell Lincoln that he needs to be a coach. Have you ever thought about coaching? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> people tell me that you know, it, all the time. All the time. The Here's the thing. I will say this because I've been, I've been asked about it many times. I don't know if I've ever gone public with it. But um, if I were ever to decide to go in coaching, it would probably be on the high school level or lower. And the reason why is because the way college is right now, the way the pros are right now, I don't know I don't know if I would have the patience for it. I mean, I would honestly throw something at the back of a guy's head if he said, I got this. No, you don't right. have anything. You don't, have, right. you don't know nothing. You ain't never been nothing. You won't ever be nothing. So, you know, I, I, if I had somebody say, oh, coach, I got this, I got this, and you don't do it, um, yeah, I'm going to throw something at you, and, and, and I'm not going to feel bad after I do it. 
<laughs> right. No, I, I just I had to tell you that because I promise you people say that to me all the time, especially after our conversations that we have. They're like, man, tell Lincoln, tell Lincoln he needs to be a coach. So I, I did my job. No desire. No desire. <laughs> I passed the message along. Lincoln Kennedy joins us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. How about Amik Robertson? He's the last guy from the 2020 draft class. Lincoln, he just seems like he stays ready. No matter what, no matter how many reps he gets, he's always ready when the time is there. And he, he continues to make plays for the Raiders you know I, I will say this you know Robertson that, that obviously that interception to seal the game was, was huge but he to me Amik has been playing like a guy who's, who's somewhat possessed or feel like he's been overshadowed or overlooked mm-hmm. you know when when the Raiders got Nate Hobbs they really found a gem in the draft they found a gem that can immediately contribute that could play nickel corner could they even play you know regular corner uh, and, and Robertson was kind of just kind of glossed over. I mean, they still had him on the team. They still used him, but not as much as they did with Hobbs and some of the other guys. And so you might have think you might have thought that you know he just got passed over. Of course, you, you drafted Bennett and all the you know all the other thing changes that have come. But you know, for what it's worth, I think you know Robertson made a great play. Not only make the interception, but he did a good job recovering Q because at the snap he was actually cheating. His eyes were fooling him. At the snap of that play, he was looking inside. He's playing a very a slight version of a cover two. He was looking inside, thinking that the the, the 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 Packers were going to go with a quick out. So he was trying to spy and maybe jump that route. And then when he saw that his guy Conklin was running down the field, he, he recovered and and the ball was underthrown. And, uh, and and of course that's a favor to the to defender. But you know he was able to recover and get up, and he went up to get that ball. So good job by him. Yeah, I thought it was pretty impressive, and, you know, again, he just stays ready. He's physical as well, right? He's willing to mix it up and go in there and get the tackles, and he does. Yeah. He just plays like that, that guy with the chip on his shoulder. I could appreciate that, and, again, he's been hanging around, right? I mean, every time you, you cancel him out and think that he's going to be done, then all of a sudden he steps up and he makes a big play, and, and I think he's a good yeah. addition for this Raiders defense. I do, too. I, I think it's a solid addition for the Raiders defense, mainly because this defense, along with all, all, all the other sides, they, they need depth. You gotta have yeah. depth. I mean, we saw the depth come into view last night when Illuminor went down. You know, Mumper had to come in. Now, yeah. now, mind you, it's they're two different guys, two different players, two different playing styles. So what you'll have to do is you have to make some minor adjustments to adjust for you know, um, uh, you know, not having Illuminor in the game, and all of a sudden you're going down to your second tackle, maybe your third tackle, and the way they, the way they do things like that, but. Um, it's it's one of those things where you got to have depth because this is the time of year where you see that depth exposed and utilized. Yeah, there's a lot of injuries right now across the NFL. I was just talking about that a little while ago. Looking across all these different teams, you're seeing all these big time names. As a matter of fact, on IR, missing four games or more uh, with big time injuries. What did you think about Robert Spillane and Divine Diablo and what they were able to do, especially in the run game last night? Well, I, I thought it was it was solid. It was strong. The thing was, as I had told Jason on the air, if you can make the Packers and Jordan Love one-dimensional to where you rely on him, it's different than Aaron Rodgers, it's different than Brett Favre. Love might very well be one of those quarterbacks one day, but he's not here right now. He, he doubts his ability in many throws, and that's one of the reasons why that, that final interception happened. Uh, and so that was an advantage that the Raiders' defense needed to have. There were times where Dylan started to break out and started to have some good runs with that big body and the wear. So while the offense continues to struggle, the Raiders' defense still has more to figure out. They have not – they're not there yet. They're not – no stretch of imagination. They're not the 85 Bears. Right. But, you know, they're, they're a strong, solid defense that can play well, that has shown that they can play well. 
They just need help from their offense. And until that happens, the Raiders are going to probably be on the field for a lot. I mean, the defense are playing a lot of defense snaps. Is the defense that they're playing right now with what you just said, they still have room to grow. Is this sustainable, what we've been seeing the last couple of weeks? No. Okay. Because of the defensive tackle play. Defensive tackle play has got to get better. They've got to do gotcha. a better job at stopping the run between the gaps. They did a, did a you know fairly good job of the last night, but there have been times where you've seen late in the games they haven't been able to get off the field. And that's, that's the thing that, that worries me the most, not only with the injuries of the secondary. Secondary is still trying to figure it out. But they need to have – you know, I'm big on communication. There's, yeah. and, and they need to have communication not only offense and offensive line, but also on the defense. You know, that, that, that mishap that happened with Marcus Epps yesterday, you know, got, they had him, you know, Conklin behind him and ran for the yards and they got a score. That was a mistake that, that should not happen. You need to talk it up. It, it's, it's inexcusable why, you know, they're playing almost two styles of defense. Epps, Jeffs are out and he, he's already being covered. So, you know, you got to get the communication down. So I don't think it's sustainable, but I do think for, for the least part the next month, these are very winnable games for the Raiders. They got to find a way to win them. Right, there's no doubt. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Necessary Roughness. Well, let's talk about the offense. What is it going to take to get this thing jump-started? Consistency in the run game. That's not there. <laughs> That's just That's it's, it's still not there. I mean, Josh Jacobs yeah. had 69 yards, but he had one play that was 24 yards. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is, is when you watch the Raiders' offense, what, what stymies them the most is that they're the inconsistencies. And, right. and look – you, you, you take in consideration that guys get paid on the other side of the ball, right? They're, yeah. they're defensive, and they're going to they're going to game plan you. What you have to what you what the Raiders have to understand, what they have to implement is that when when Jimmy G comes under center and Josh Jacobs is back is, is behind him at, at depth uh, tailback depth, they're going to bring a safety an extra man in the box. You've got to have a receiver or somebody to come in and block him. There were far too many times yesterday where you, or last night where you had, you know, Jacobs get the football, and he's having to make a cut the moment he gets the football. Right. Or having to make somebody miss. But that shouldn't happen. Right. And, you know, you've got to block the line of scrimmage if you're first if you think you're going to be successful. And then you've got to block the box, all seven in the box. And if there's an eighth man down there, yeah, you might, you might put him on the back end to where they have to chase it down. But you've got to account for that man in some way or he's going to make the play every time. So, with that being said, and the offensive line obviously struggling a little bit to block, do you think that that would be the reason why on fourth and two they kick a field goal from 52 instead of trying to seal the deal on, a, on a, like, keeping the ball on fourth down and trying to get a first down? Well, up until that point, you had a short-footed kicker. Right. You want to show confidence in your kicking game, right? Yeah. You want to show confidence in your kicker, especially, you know, in that situation where he's competing against his brother on the other side of the field and their family are all in the stands. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, being under having that type of uh, sort of spotlight on me. I know it's part of the game and you're a professional, but, you know, you want to show faith in your kicking game, and that's why you do it. All right. Did, so did, did, you, did you, like, you agreed with that, that call to kick the field goal then? I didn't. I didn't mind it. I mean, at okay. the time, I didn't mind it. Like I said, yeah. you, you have a a pretty good kicker. It's not like he's, he's shaky or you know, like right. oh, man, I don't know if we're gonna be. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. one of those those flukes where that ball came out low, got a little bit of a tip on it. Uh, but you, how many times has Carl, Carlson missed two field goals in a game? Right. Yeah, he's not gonna do that. You know, I don't. I don't have it in front of me. You know what I'm saying? So that yeah. I said, you show confidence in your guys. No, I can, I can, I can understand that. That makes that makes sense. I just thought that, man, you get that first down on fourth and two, and the game's over, right? You don't have to worry about putting your defense out there. But the defense gets out there and they make plays. So you know, and, and you, Robert, you also have to think about it this way, Q. 
the offense with its inconsistencies yeah. is not necessarily reliable. People sit there and say and second guess, well, you got to have a play for this. You got to have a play ready for this. You know what? When you watch in the flow of the game, if it's not there, what you tried to get like short yards or something like that, it, it, it's not rocket science, but it's not magic. You can't right. just make things happen like that because it takes all 11 guys to function as one. If one breaks down and the play doesn't go anywhere, you come away with no points. You look like a bigger idiot. I mean, right. I know with the field goal being blocked, it was that way, but you still got to try. You go forward on fourth down and two and you don't get it. Then, you know, you know not being good, sit there and say, whoa, well, maybe you should have just taken points and lived to play another day. Right. No, there's no doubt about that. And, Lincoln, we'll close out with this one. How about the Robert Spillane first uh, interception? He gets it down within the, you know, the 10-yard line, and the Raiders come away with, with only three points as opposed to seven. Uh, how big of a missed opportunity was that? Well, look, we all know that over the years how the Raiders have struggled in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And we all know that it's a work in progress. But not having, you know, a, 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 a tight end that you go to, you know, religiously or constantly or having that weapon at your disposal, you have to try to find develop, develop others. So I'm still waiting to see where Hunter Renfro is going to be used instead of being used as a decoy. I'm still going to see if they want to expand the route running of Jacoby Myers in situation, put Devontae Adams more in the slot to where he can take advantage of safeties and linebackers rather than uh, having to play against corners with a safety over the top. So, I mean, there's still adjustments that you have to go. This is a work in progress yeah. as we look at it, Q. I mean, this is by no stretch of means is a, is a competent product where you can just sit there and ah, let them go do, the, do their thing. They got this. <laughs> it's not there yet. So um, with it being a work in progress and with you still trying to figure out the nuances of how to be truly effective, that's what you got. I mean, you saw last night Jimmy G had a case of happy feet. Why? Because he was hit. Yeah. He's been hit. He's been sacked. You see what I'm saying? He's been harassed. The offensive line hasn't been, you know, as steady or as consistent as you want. So when you have that issue, you've got a quarterback who's looking more at the rush than he is downfield. That's a big no-no. And yeah, you, he you can't run the ball, and you can't have balance on the offense cue. It's hard. It's hard to coach. It's hard to call plays. It's hard to see what's going to work. And you get a big hit. You get a big play every now and then. But as far as consistently utilizing it and moving down the field and getting first downs and taking off the clock, we saw a couple drives last night. There were multiple play drives that ended up getting a score. We haven't seen it enough this season. No, no, you're right about that. The good thing is, I mean, it's, it's something to work on coming off a of victory as opposed to something to work on coming off a loss, right? It's sure. a lot better to come off a of victory and knowing that you got a lot of work to do as opposed to losing it's a, a game. A lot easier, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, good stuff as always, Lincoln. Again, it's I'm never mad at a, at a, at a win at all. It's great to stop the bleeding, and uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. We'll talk to you about the next opponent, which is the New England Patriots. All right, sounds like a plan, my man. I'll talk to you later. All right, well, man, thanks so much. Great stuff right there, Lincoln Kennedy. And I did my job. I passed along the message that uh, everyone wants Lincoln to be a coach. I tell you, more times than not, people will say that to me wherever I'm at. If they're calling into the podcast, or they're calling into the radio show, if they're at Allegiant Stadium, whatever the case may be, there's always someone that says, man, next time you talk to Lincoln, tell him he needs to be a coach. Tell him that the Raiders need to hire him for this, that, and the other. He just he, he knows what he's talking about. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll pass it along, and I always forget. So I had to do that that one time. So there you go. Many thanks to Lincoln Kennedy for giving us a few minutes of his time this afternoon as he does each and every Tuesday and Thursday at 3.30. Coming up next, we'll hear from Robert Spillane. He had two interceptions on, uh, on Monday Night Football and helping the Raiders get the victory. We'll hear from him next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. 
Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll hear from Robert Spillane. Excuse me, we'll hear from Robert Spillane at, uh, at the top of the hour. I do have a couple nuggets that I wanted to pass along about Robert Spillane and the performance that he put in. This comes from Raiders PR. I thought this was pretty interesting. Uh, and I saw some people asking this on Twitter when Robert was having his game that he had last night and helping the Raiders get the 17-13 victory over the Green Bay Packers. Spillane is the first Raiders linebacker to have two interceptions in a single game since 2001. William Thomas had two, 12-15-01 at San Diego. So that's going way back, 2001. I saw people speculating, like, maybe it was Kirk Morrison, maybe it was Thomas Howard. William Thomas, back in 2001, was the last Raiders linebacker to have two interceptions in a single game. Also, he had his second interception of the game uh, last night. He's the first Raiders defender since 2020. First Raiders defender since 2020, Jeff Heath to record two interceptions in a single game. So that's taking it back a handful of years as well when Jeff Heath had those two interceptions in a single game. So uh, there you go, Robert Spillane uh, talking about that. And then also Spillane is the first linebacker in 2023, this is in the NFL, to have multiple interceptions in a single game, the first since week 14 of the last season, and that was Josie Jewell who did that as well. So just a couple little nuggets on Robert Spillane who put in a heck of a performance. Uh, And again, he's a guy that when – when he joined the team and they signed him as a free agent, we didn't know a whole lot about him. But when we learned about him and we started doing research about him and we had guys that covered the Steelers on the show to talk about him, everything was, well, he's a really good run blocker or run defender, but he's not very good in coverage. Like that was the big conversation. And, and you'll hear at the top of the hour when we were inside the Raiders locker room last night, he was asked about that, about the fact that, hey, you know, he's making these plays in the passing game where he's not really known as a – as a guy that gets after it in the passing game. And he doesn't look at it like that. He says, I'm a football player, right? I'm an all-around football player. And he's out to prove that. And, you know, he started to do a lot of that during training camp as well when the big emphasis was on the Raiders coming up with turnovers and, you know, going and getting the football. And I remember him standing at the podium there in the Intermountain Health Performance Center talking about the most important element of the game is the football. You've got to get the football. It's called football. It's, I mean, it's just like he was so, as a matter of fact, and it was it kind of fired you up sitting in there listening to him because he, he was really letting it be known what the mentality inside the locker room was. And so – that's what really got me kind of fired up on, okay, this team is really going to focus in on creating turnovers this year. And, of course, they got slow out of the gates and they weren't creating these turnovers. They've had opportunities in every game, but they've only come up with them the last two games. So, you know, I, I felt pretty good and comfortable with saying that this is what they were going to focus in on. Now, that doesn't mean just because you focus in on it you're going to do it, but now it's starting to come to fruition. And Robert Splane's all of a sudden leading the charge. Right, he's got two interceptions on the season now. Trayvon Merrick's got one interception. Amik Robertson's got one. This team had six picks all year last year. Six. Two. It was two by two by two. Deron Harmon had two. Amik Robertson had two. And Denzel Perryman had two. And that was it. They're in five games right now, and they've got four. Now, it helps when you get padded with three, three picks in one game. But who cares? I don't give a rip. Right? I mean, if six sacks for Khalil Mack counts in one game, then three interceptions count for the Raiders' defense in one game. Right? I mean, I'm just, I'm just happy that, obviously, they're trending in a better direction than they did the last year or the year before. Again, six interceptions as a team in one whole season is not going to get it done. They've got four through five games. That's a positive step 
as far as I'm concerned. And Robert Spillane right now leading the charge. So you'll hear from him in the Raiders locker room uh, coming up at the top of the hour. We'll also hear from you at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. Hour number three of the show is coming up next. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.